0: Jesus is real. There's
1: power in your name. We find hope and trust in your ways we need. Jesus is real.
0: Philip's saying, look, if I'm gonna know God the Father, I'm in. I want an experience of God the Father. Show me the money, so to speak. That's what he says. And what Jesus says now is unbelievable. He says, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, verse 9? And yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us
1: the Father? More than once, the disciples in the Bible just didn't quite get it. They'd been told who Jesus was, and they'd seen him do great things, but the dots just didn't connect. It's easy to fault the disciples for their lack of understanding, but Pastor Daniel will remind you today that it's not that uncommon now either. It's easy to miss the true Jesus when you're only looking for the characteristics you like. Jesus is God, and he is the only way to heaven. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in John chapter 14 as he continues his message, I am the way, the truth, and the life.
0: says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, all with definite articles. And then, to make matters worse, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's a sucker punch in our culture, isn't it? Why? Because in our culture, there's no such thing as the way. Everything is a way. There's no such thing as the truth. There is my truth. Or whatever I want. And there's no such thing as the life. It's just a life. It's what I get to do. And no one comes to the Father but by me. No, every way leads to the top. And Jesus says, no. Jesus looks at our culture in our love of pluralism and relativism. That everyone can choose their own spiritual adventure. And get whatever outcome we want. And Jesus says flat out, no. Now, Jesus says no. Because he is the way. That's why. He's saying, look, this is the only way. And it's interesting that the early church, if you read the book of Acts, was called the way. It wasn't called Christianity. It was called the way. Now, of course, we don't really use that anymore because throughout time there's been some cults that use the term the way for their cult. And now it's a little squirrely in some people's hearts and minds. But Jesus is the way. We don't know the way. I'm the way. See, the way is not a religion. It's a person. The, the way to the Father is through a person, not a set of rules that you keep, not learning a special handshake or a special way to pray. It is a person, and that person's name is Jesus. And the reason Jesus is the way is because Jesus is the truth the genuine article, the real deal. He is the only one who can say, this is the truth. And in a world where nobody likes truth, the real deal, son of God, Jesus of Nazareth shines brightly. This is the way to live your life. This is what it looks like to honor God with your life. In a world with very few role models, Jesus shines So bright because he's the truth. And Jesus is the way because he is the life. And we saw that last week. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. He's saying, look, I have life in myself and I am willing to share. Jesus is willing to share with us. And then he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. You know what no one means? It means no one. That's what it means. It doesn't mean no one unless you want to be a Buddhist or unless you want to be a Muslim or unless you want to be whatever it is that you want to call yourself. You want to worship at the church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster or whatever. No one means no one except through me. And that is why for 2,000 years since Jesus uttered these words, the people of God are unashamed to say, look, you may not like it, but Jesus said no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, some people would say, well, that's just why I don't want to believe in Jesus. Go like, I mean, snap, I'm done with that. You know, I don't want to believe in Jesus because why would I want to believe if there's only one way? Because that one way laid down his life for you. It's not like, listen, Jesus is just getting rich off of the fact that he's the only way and he's got a big ministry and he's got everyone's buying his books for $90,000 and if you, you fly him in, he'll speak nice to you. No, he laid down his life for you. And the way is not some commercial empire way. It's a man dying in our place and conquering death. And the reason there's no other way is because the only way into the presence of God is through the person and work of Jesus Christ who died for you. And I'm here to tell you that's where the rubber meets the road. Find your guru who's going to give up his life for you. Find your favorite new age speaker. And see if they'll come and lay down their life for you. Because you know what? They won't. But Jesus already did. And that is why there's no other way. That's why. And that's why Jesus is so controversial. Because he says stuff like that. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've got to deal with when Jesus says stuff like this. I remember the first time I read the Gospels as a non-Christian person who was just searching. I read everything else. I read that. I'm like, man, that's a tough saying. Because who am I to say that Jesus is the only way? You know what? I'm nobody to say that. The man himself said it. And then people say, oh, no, no. No, no, listen. Oh, they say, oh, Jesus didn't say that. His disciples said that. Yeah, it went really good for them too, didn't it? People want to pretend that like the disciples were building, you know, the Facebook of their generation where they took it public. They all became billionaires. Every single one of them died for this. The early church was persecuted for 300 years. Long before it became the Holy Roman Empire, the church was systematically persecuted. They were driven underground. All of these disciples lost their lives for this. So it wasn't like this was like some, some great multi-level marketing scheme. This cost these guys everything. They lost everything, including their lives, because they had found something more valuable. So don't ever think that this was like, oh, yeah, this is just how you make a religion. You say it's the only way. In. No, these guys lost their lives so that we can know this stuff. So if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you need to because he's the way. He is. He's the truth. He's the life. And you are not going to get to the Father any other way but through Jesus. He's the only way. And you need to make that decision because he's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Now, what Jesus says next might even be more controversial in Jesus' culture than even what he just said right here. Look at what it says in verse 7. It says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father that is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Now, Jesus just said he's the way, the truth, and the life, right? That no one gets to the Father but by him. And he says, look, then he says in verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And then Philip pops up, another one of the disciples, and says, Lord, show us the Father that it's sufficient for us. I mean, Philip's saying, look, if I'm going to know God the Father, I'm in. I want an experience of God the Father. Show me the money, so to speak. That's what he says. And what Jesus says now is unbelievable. He says, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, verse 9, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me... Has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? You know what this means? To put it in real kind of street level terms, Jesus is God with skin on. That's what he's saying here. Jesus is God with skin on. And for those of you who are hip-hop artists, you write that one down, you can that will have a nice God with skin on. Something, I don't know, what, how, however you do it. But he's God with skin on. He's saying, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, in Jesus's day, because the Jewish people were the only people who believed in one God, the true and living God, Yahweh. When Jesus says this, this would have been a sucker punch to their culture. Because he's saying, you know, Yahweh, who you worship, the only God, what? Well, that's me. I'm God with skin on. So Jesus is just doing a great job of pretty much offending everybody at this point. And what's amazing is, is the fact that Jesus is saying that he is God in living flesh has been and still is a very controversial reality. But the Apostle Paul, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a very well-educated Jewish man who would never have believed in multiple gods, says almost the exact same thing in the book of Colossians. I'm going to read you two different verses, Colossians 1.15 and then chapter 2, verse 9. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And then in chapter 2, verse 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Wow. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And then he says, in him, Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's where I get Jesus is God with skin on. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Apostle Paul just didn't have my great linguistic skills. Now I'm just kidding. But that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's like, look, you want to see God, you've seen him. I am what God looks like with skin on. The way that I live, the way that I present myself. This is what God in human form looks and acts like. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty profound statement, isn't it? He's saying, if you watch the way that I live, this is the way God lives and moves in human form. All of this is powerful. Look what he says in verse 10. Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Do you believe that, my friends? Do you believe that Jesus is God with skin on? Notice what he says. The words, this is in the middle of verse 10, that I speak to you. I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. I mean, Jesus is not messing around here. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. He's like, look, If you don't believe that I and my father are one, if you don't believe that I'm God with skin on, then at least look at what I'm doing. Look at who I am, how I'm living. Look at all these things that I'm doing. That means something. See, the fruit of the life of Jesus teaches us who he is. We saw Jesus raise the dead. We see Jesus healing all sorts of people. We see Jesus schooling religious scholars. With profound biblical insight, everything about his life testifies of who he is. So Jesus can say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, because he's saying, I'm God with skin on. Now, look at what happens from there, because now he starts to include his disciples into the mix, and something very profound happens. Look what it says in verse 12. It says, but most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, verse 15, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. Huh. Now, I'm going to take this whole section again. And I'm going to break it down. What this teaches us is that the spirit brings greater works. The spirit brings greater works. Now, verse 12 is powerful for us. It's powerful for us because he says, most assuredly, I say to you. Now, what does Jesus mean when he says, most assuredly, I say to you? He means, listen up, right? Every time we see that, Jesus is saying, focus. I'm going to tell you something important. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these, he will do because I go to my father now. I don't know about you, but that's a crazy statement, isn't it? He says, listen, if you believe in me, the works that I'm going to do that testify that I'm God with skin on, you're going to do them also, and greater works than these will you do. Now, when was the last time you thought about your own life that I'm going to do greater works than Jesus? Anybody? No, well, you should, because that's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said that we're going to do greater works, and now he says it's going to happen through prayer, and ultimately it's going to happen through the Holy Spirit. This is why I say the Spirit brings greater works, because he goes on to say, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper that that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. See, these works that we're gonna do, they come from the Holy Spirit who is gonna dwell in us just the way Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus. The Father and Jesus indwell us through the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to, Read down a little bit. Look at verses 25 and 26 right here in in John 14. It says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So the Spirit brings greater works through a couple of means. First, he is the Spirit of truth. Who's the truth? Jesus. And now you get the spirit of truth. That's in verse 17. And notice, he is going to dwell with you and will be in you. That's what it says in verse 17. So these greater works that the spirit brings comes because just as Jesus is the truth, now the spirit of truth dwells with us and is in us. And then in verse 25, it teaches us that the spirit of God whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Spirit of God is with us, he's in us, and he teaches us, and he brings to our remembrance all the things that Jesus taught us. This is how the greater works happen. Because God doesn't say, listen, okay, believe in me and good luck. He doesn't do that. He says, listen, I want you to believe in me and you're going to do greater works and I'm going to give you the third person of the Trinity, God the Spirit, and he is going to come he's going to indwell you just the way the Father and the Son are one and united. Now through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, everybody who puts their faith and trust in Jesus, now the Spirit will be with you, in you, the truth abides in you and teaches you internally and reminds us of all the things that Jesus said. That's straight up really cool, isn't it? You and I, because of our belief in Jesus, now have the third person of the Trinity living within us, pulling out the truth out of our, the depths of our being, reminding us internally of what the teachings of Jesus are and who we are. And because of these things, Jesus says, greater work than these he will do because I go to the Father. So what's this greater work? Do you ever wonder what that means? I think the greater work has a lot to do with Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. Now, you hear what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, John the Baptist was the greatest man who ever lived, who was born of women, John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. It's a crazy statement, right? See, what Jesus is saying is that the reason the least in God's kingdom is greater than the greatest man who ever lived is because John's ministry began and ended before Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And ascended to heaven and poured out his spirit. See, John the Baptist was the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. The absolute greatest. There was no man greater than John the Baptist. Jesus saying, listen, but the least person in my kingdom, the last one in line, the lowest on the totem pole, so to speak, is greater than the greatest men who ever lived before. Why? Because they're going to live in the fullness of the kingdom. The fullness of the reality That Jesus has lived the perfect life He did die on a cross He did rise again And He ascended into heaven And because Jesus goes to the Father And He ascends to heaven Then the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son How many of you remember that old The Apostles Creed The Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son That comes right out of John chapter 14 The Father will send Him in what? In my name All through this section Jesus talks about And you will and whatever, verse 13, you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then we hear a little bit later who the Father will send in my name. Now, what does it mean? Does it mean that Jesus' name, J-E-S-U-S, or maybe you got a little like Hebrew leaning, so you want to call him Yeshua, if you say it the right way, or, you know, if you, it's like Jesus is like the magic, The magic name that like whatever coin if you have the magic coin you put in any vending machine you always get something out some people think about it that way in the bible the name has nothing to do with the letters the name denotes an entire nature as i like to say if i say daniel fusco nobody thinks or shouldn't think oh d-a-n-i-e-l-f-u-s-c-o if you say someone says daniel fusco hopefully you think oh He's that hairy guy at Crossroads and maybe you feel a little warm and fuzzy on the inside.
1: Jesus is real. Who is Jesus to you? Do you think of him more as a vending machine? If you put in the right amount of effort, he'll just give you what you want? Or is he your Lord and Savior, the only way to heaven? Today, Pastor Daniel wanted you to think about this and really examine who you say Jesus is. It's important not just to your eternal dwelling place, but to your life right here and right now. Jesus can change your life today. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on
0: Jesus is Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus, but I actually believe that there are many of you right now, as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources into your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400, 51400.
1: And we'll get some resources into your hands. Now don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel discusses the concept and power of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each member is equal and powerful and has different roles to play in your life. While the Bible doesn't contain the word Trinity, the concept of a triune God is woven throughout. Pastor Daniel will tell you more, so be sure to tune in next time. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.